point. Ever since buying nowhere from the collector, Ooh. we don't have time for trivialities like Christmas. This place needs a lot of fixing. Mm. Why? <laughs> okay. Mixing up for what? Why do you want it? I love that. This is a big deal, and they're just throwing it out there. Uh -huh. It's huge. Right. <laughs> well, it's old news for them. It's like, eh, whatever. We live here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fascinated. Oh, it looks all Ooh. burnt. It like some like kind of spire is burnt away. Also, this looks like a painting. Welcome back to New Rockstars. The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special confirms that the Guardians have now taken residence in nowhere after purchasing Ooh. it from the Collector. Other than the coolest possible home base, for what other reasons might the Guardians want this to be their home and what trouble will it get them into? No, no what the, the f <laughs> Okay, so the way Nailed that my it. screen is built, I can't see the script. <laughs> <laughs> What script? This is just a free-flowing oh, conversation. Oh, I don't right. know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, my bad, my bad. Wait, what? Oh, what? Oh, I'm Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> this is Inside Marvel. It's New Rockstar's weekly Marvel reaction show. This week, we are talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, because this All holiday right. special set up quite a bit of it. I mean, we were expecting something kind of like, you know, just kind of a, a, an off-ramp, like Werewolf by Night. We were just gonna like mm. chill with the Guardians for an hour, but no, no, no. James Gunn actually used this holiday special to give a, quite a bit of a prologue to what he's planning for volume three. We're gonna be talking about that this episode. I'm Eric Voss, with me today is Jessica Clemens and MT. Hi. What's going on, dude? I freaking loved every second of this special. Like, it didn't even feel like it was like 43 minutes. It felt like I don't know how he managed to jam so much in that short amount of time, but like James Gunn is a freaking genius. Like that special made me feel so good on the inside. Uh, my holiday fuzzies are here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the holiday season. Yeah, me too. How do we feel in general about it? Like I was not expecting to feel this emotional. Maybe it was something about that Ralph Bakshi style rotoscope animation at the beginning of the end of the oh, so episode. Good. I love but that it really choice. got me, in a, mm. weirdly. Yeah, was it supposed to be like um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or like the He-Miser kind of bit? Or was it following a I different holiday thing? James Gunn has said that he's pulling from a couple different things, but he said that one thing he wanted to pull from was the ho holiday special for the Star Wars holiday special, how we cut to the Boba Fett animation. Uh, but then in terms of the style, it was Stupid Buddy animation who does the uh, the robot chicken and they did a lot of rotoscoping. But yeah, it also feels like the animated Frosty the Snowman, How the Grinch yeah. Stole Christmas. Um, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, like a couple different things. I think you need a bit of animation for it to feel like Christmas, right? Even Elf has that moment where he's mm -hmm, like leaving. Beginning. It's like, bye, Mr. Narwhal. <laughs> I really that love that choice. True. I thought, thought it was like a really nice yeah. way to like give that holidays like spirit. Cause like, you know, in Werewolf by Night, we got the black and white that sort of like mm -hmm. set the tone. So like now we have the little uh, rotoscoping. I'm like, wow. Marvel Studios knows how to make a good presentation. They do, they do. Before we dive in, uh, have you ever wanted to see some of the new Rockstars team live and in person? Yeah. Well, if you are yes. in Los Angeles this weekend, <laughs> now is your chance. Come see me and the cast of New Rockstars Break Room live at LA Comic-Con this Sunday, December 4th at 10.30 a.m. For tickets and more information, check out the uh, check out ComicConLA.com. Uh, so I'm very excited to do that, but then this may just be something that's uh, only gonna be enjoyable for us internally here, but uh, I, MT is gonna meet uh, the rest of the team and us for the in yes. person for the first time ever. We're gonna have like an, uh, an in-office hangout and visit. So you may see some of us in person for some of these shoots. I'm so excited. I'm going to be going to California, the West Coast for the first time in my life. 
I don't know why your trees are so tall, but I'm okay. going to find out myself. Look here. Why are your donuts so Dunkin'? That's what I say to you. Because um, they're toasters. delicious. We are Krispy Kreme over here. We're a Krispy Kreme house. Krispy Kreme only. Y'all don't know what you're missing out. You're missing out on some mediocre coffee. <laughs> sorry, I'm going to be crucified by everybody. All my you neighbors are, for saying that. I'm so sorry. That. You are absolutely going to be for saying that. Yeah, I'm excited to see all of it's. It's odd because I'm also in a different city from the main New Rockstars office. I'm in San Francisco. The rest of New Rockstars is in uh, Burbank and then, you know, MT's on the East Coast. And we're all kind of spread out all over. So and it's awesome to see each other in person because, like, I'm always surprised by how like tall or short people are. Right, There's I cannot wait to see yeah. how tall everyone is. I just need to have that in my brain because I don't know. I do not I'm know. six foot three. Is MT like secretly swole MT? And it's gonna be like swole group. I'm actually oh five MT. feet tall and I'm just mega swole. MT's I'm like a strong scrappy dude. MT's legs <laughs> are like tree trunks. He's just like a massive bodybuilder from the waist down. Exactly. No, I have little baby legs like Deadpool and Deadpool 1. No, Deadpool oh, 2. No. I, would, I would take your little <laughs> shoes off and I go look at the little toesies. Look at the little toesies. Whereas I'm surprisingly just like Modoc. I'm just like a huge head and a tiny body who just kind of wobbles around and screams. And, like your torso ah! is just CGI'd in. It's just like you just have a huge uh -huh. head. Pretty much. All right, let's dive into nowhere. Speaking of speaking of huge heads with like weirdly rest of their anatomy missing. Um, so huge head. <laughs> Sorry, I, I made a so no head joke. I was like so huge head. Haha. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. That was awesome. Never <laughs> apologize for that. MP. Um, when, how, and why did the Guardians buy Nowhere? Uh, I think mm. that's the the whole story with Nowhere is I think the big question coming out of a holiday uh, special from the Guardians that we're all kind of puzzling over. But a quick breakdown of the timeline of what we know. Uh, Nowhere was was wrecked by Thanos in 2018 during Avengers Infinity War when Thanos took the Reality Stone from the Collector, and that was the last time we saw it when it was mostly on fire. I think that's why it's now looking like charred. Uh, right. more burnt out, but you also see some construction if you look closely mm. as they fly away from it. Now, in the aftermath of Avengers Endgame, Thor teamed up with the Guardians of the Galaxy and they took a bunch of missions before they parted ways. We saw that in the first act of Thor Love and Thunder. And James Gunn said that in his mind, Thor and the Guardians were together for a few weeks. Uh, the holiday special in Guardians Volume 3 are significantly after that. And James Gunn has explained that the Guardians got nowhere for cheap because after Thanos, the Celestial Skull was just really a burnt out husk. Uh, Gunn also explained to Daniel Chen on the Ringer's Mint Edition podcast a lot more about what the Guardians are doing there. Let's actually take a listen to that. Well, but it, it plays into volume three and that they just, this is where they live now. This is their mm. home. Nowhere is the home of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you see they've, they've uh, you know, have a bunch of refugees now that live with them who come from different parts of the planet who's had their homes destroyed or hurt or whatever, uh, maybe by Thanos, maybe by other things. And mm. um and they have this sort of group of outcasts around them, and they started their own little society of, of, of people in this abandoned giant celestial head. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that they were refugees. I thought they were just like people that were still there that survived the flames. The flame. Yeah. <laughs> that makes more sense. Though, I should have so, uh, so specifically, the Guardians of the Galaxy are using Nowhere not just as their new home, but as a kind of refugee colony for victims mm. of Thanos' conquest. Both people who were on uh, the, the colony of Celestia, of uh, Nowhere that was like kind of a mining colony, but also people on other planets, other places that have just kind of it, used this as like a new place to settle. Yeah. It um, also brings... So a couple, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, it also think, makes you think like what other planets did that? Because there's probably planets not close to nowhere that other planets are doing it. So that he just opened up a can of worms. 
he could do it for any place. He, he did potentially, right? Like we know Xandar must have been mm -hmm. pretty messed up in order for Thanos yeah. to get the Power Stone. We haven't checked in with Xandar since. Yes. <gasps> oh. I really hope they talk about it in Guardians Three. Please talk about Xandar. Maybe for the love they will. Of God. <laughs> That's actually cool. I didn't notice that. I mean, like the Nova Corps pretty much shows up in every Guardians movie, so mm -hmm. they, I feel like yeah. they'll, they'll probably mention it. I think so too. Uh, a couple questions that we need to ask. One, do the Guardians want something else here on Nowhere? And two, does their stewardship of Nowhere make them potential targets for some incoming mm -hmm. threat? Um, mm -hmm. Now, I expect the Collector will have moved most of his remaining treasures with him, uh, at least any of them that weren't destroyed, but he did leave Cosmo there. Cosmo was one of his treasures there, uh, mm. which is something, that we have a lot of questions about Cosmo, of course. Um, is it possible that something valuable would have would have been left behind there, like the Embers of Genesis? Because that was, you know, that was the artifact uh, from the Guardians T'Challa episode and What If. That was interstellar dust that could be used to spring forth vegetation on an entire planet that was uh, starving um, with only just a small fragment of the Embers of Genesis. Would he have taken the Embers of Genesis with him? Um, could it be that the reason the Collector gave up Nowhere was that secretly he knew this skull was kind of haunted. It was like haunted terrain or maybe mm. sacred remains that he knew someday the other Celestials would come back here to check in on it. I mean, eventually. Um, or to like like a crime scene. And he's like setting up shop in a crime scene. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Jess, MT? What do you guys think? I like, the second part um, really spoke to me that, and I brought this up yesterday on the break room where I'm like, now they have an actual target on their back because they're always being chased in every movie. And now they have a home base, which doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> um, that seems like a really dangerous idea. I just assume the collector oh, gave yeah. it to him because he was like, well, I'm not gonna pay to rebuild this place. It's probably a lot of time and money. And he's like, they don't mm -hmm. like me here. Oh yeah. <laughs> Am I gonna rebuild this? The collector basically sold nowhere because he was using nowhere to make money. Like he he found this head. He was like, yo, I could sell this brain matter, this this spinal fluid to the black market and make a bunch of money so I can buy more shit. Cause like that's his ultimate goal. He wants more shit. And so now that he can't do that, now that like Thanos destroyed all the celestial material, he's just like, I need to make money off of this. And, Cause like, I, I, I cannot live, like there's no point for me to be here anymore. And uh, James Gunn has said in, in previous tweets in the past that he has other collections in different places in the, in the universe. So like, this is just one installation of just all of this stuff. So he's just like, you know what? I'm gonna make this money and leave uh, because I, I don't really need this anymore. But like you said, um, this does really put the uh, huge target on the Guardians back because they've never really had a home base before. And we know from Guardians 2 that the Sovereign, in particular Aisha, very pissed off still at the Guardians. And he, she, he, she wants her, them dead and that's why she's making Adam Warlock. Um, so mm. ha them having a base is not good for them in the long run um because yeah the sovereign are still on their on their butts is it gonna be such a shitty thing if they if that if like warlock comes adam warlock comes or someone comes and just puts it back into fire just burns out nowhere burns again, it all. <laughs> a third time a third time there's flames on nowhere that would be so tragic and so annoying i just at that point be like someone call Arishim. Someone get this celestial head. So someone away call Ereshen. Get this head. Get this someone head. Someone bury this head, please. Yeah, bury it. So give this head a proper funeral. <laughs> Send it away. Uh, those are all very interesting thoughts. I, I, you know, one thing MT and I were talking about a little earlier was like, what is what constitutes the uh, corpse matter of a celestial? Mm -hmm. Like, what is mm -hmm. a celestial? Uh, is it the armored body? Is it armor all the way down into that body? It kind of looked like it was this like ancient stone 
Uh, we've speculated they could be made of vibranium, you know? Um, mm. But like, it could be Uru or it could be some other material. Uh, and is that, but is it armor? Is there flesh underneath it? When we saw Ego, he's just kind of a floating Boltzmann brain made out of light that kind of manifested that light into carbon matter. Uh, mm. There's a, are they a kind of plasma? So the fact that they were like, you know, still mining brain tissue and fluid and, and spinal tissue made it sound like there was like carbon uh, tissue. There was oh, yeah. flesh to a yeah. celestial. And my, my wondering, here's what I'm thinking. I think celestials are beings made out of light and they use this kind of like armored form so that they we can see a corporeal humanoid form. But underneath that is light. When we saw Ershim talk, there was just like glowing light from underneath. I think celestials are made of light and that that light went out when when uh, oh, nowhere died, yeah. but there's some kind of trace soul. Mm-hmm. And here's my crazy theory: I think there's some kind of soul that is haunting, I haunting love nowhere. Oh, and that's why the collector's that. like, uh, buh, 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 "I'm getting out of here." <laughs> uh, I, I think there's some kind of like, uh, there's gonna be some kind of voice that is like haunting them and is like uh, giving this land a kind of cursed uh, quality to it. Uh, and that's that. going to be something that is that is like a beacon to the other celestials to come back. Do you think it will just be a floating ghost ripe head throughout space? And it'll be I mean, I like it also because of storytelling wise, we're going into that direction already. So it's like this is a floating haunted house. Don't go to that planet. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous. Well, um, if you think about technically, technically, the MCU does have a ghost of a celestial in play because we know from the comics that uh, the Necrosword was made oh, from yes. the the torso, the energy of nowhere. And so, like, basically, that's sort of like the, the nowhere's little ghost haunting the Marvel Universe and making it worse. Um, so I, I do sure. like the idea of there being like a, a nowhere energy essence just being like ooh you mess with me i'm gonna get you collector better run oh that'd be funny i mean doesn't this sound like a classic horror film of a young group of people moves into like an old uh burnt out shack and they're like we can spruce this up we can fix it up it's a fixer upper we'll flip it right and then they find out that there's some kind of like demonic spirit that's possessing this (laughs) land and then it messes with them it's the walls start bleeding I don't think the Guardians would be afraid of it. That's the thing. I can't see Nebula running away from it. I can't see Rocket running away from it. I see them trying sure. to fight I'm not saying it. it's going to be like Scooby-Doo, and they're like, hey, Jamie's out. Uh, I, like, I mean, Scooby-Doo, James Gunn has directed two Scooby-Doo movies. Oh, Let's not it's true. This is in his blood. That's Scooby-True, Eric. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It might happen. That's funny. Which one? He was Alma? a horror director. He directed Slither. Like, that's Slither. kind of like his that background is is as a horror director. Oh, that's good to think about. That's good to keep in mm. mind. That is good to know. Yeah, I don't know if it will get silly, but I think it will make this. Uh, like I think the fact they're now custodians of of nowhere is it's going to be a pain in the ass for them somehow. Oh, yeah. I think it's not going to be just like an easy thing for them to have to handle. I think it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be a greater challenge. For them. And I, I honestly do believe that the um, the high evolutionary is probably going to use the skull of nowhere um, for whatever he's planning. Because like we know from um, there's this really interesting run in the comics um, with the high evolutionary um, wanting to make a celestial. I think it's it's a it's the Black Galaxy saga um, mm-hmm. where um, the high evolutionary is just basically messing around with um, celestial stuff, and he's very interested in in, um, in recreating that life. I think that he, the, this high evolutionary is going to go to whatever is left of ego 
and then go to this skull and be like, I'm God, I'm going to make my own celestial by putting this brain inside of this empty head and like make a new being because why not? This is what I do. Um, so I don't know. I, just, I think it'd be really interesting if those elements um, came into play during the third act of Guardians 3. Because um, High Evolutionary is a weird dude. He's he just weird, weird ass dude. And sure I don't is. think he's going to die. But that would be a good I hope, I hope not. I really hope it not. Because like, that actor is amazing. The more and more the MCU kills characters that I don't believe should be able to die, the more I start losing, not faith, but I'm like, this isn't, this isn't correct. <laughs> well, the, the, how easy it was to kill Gore? I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm honestly glad that this special like confirmed that the collector survived because I was pretty yes. I was like did he die because he's an elder of the universe well, he can't die that, that <laughs> timeline was so confusing because you're like mm. okay where is he <laughs> where is he right. what's going on <laughs> what's, where is he after the I mean, after it was an illusion yeah, the you're moment like, is he hiding? like Thanos's his reality stone uh, projection drops yeah. and you just see like Benicio like, waving. It's like, then where are you? <laughs> he, disappears. he disappears with it. <laughs> like, are you hiding under the embers? Right. The fire? Also, was Thanos doing that? Was that Thanos's little like imagination projection going, hee hee <laughs> <laughs> That was Thanos puppeting him. Just for Gamora to like cry on her knees. <laughs> He's just like I would I would love if Thanos just kept like spotting the a fake collector just to hype himself up. It's like Magnificent every time he's just in this chip. He's like Magnificent! Magnificent! Magnificent. Every time Thanos takes a dump, he just projects with the reality stone. Exactly. Magnificent! This is the biggest dump so far, Magnificent! I mean, ever since Ebony Ma died, he needs a new hype man. He needs someone to kiss his ass. So that's perfect. Yeah, things got silly and gross. Um, we have a lot of questions about Guardians Holiday Special. We want to uh, dig into a few more of them first. Thank you to Smile Brilliant for sponsoring this episode. If you have ever considered whitening your teeth, you might be confused by all the variations of teeth whitening on the market. Well, thankfully, Smile Brilliant is here to explain the science behind teeth whitening to make you feel comfortable about choosing the correct method. Stop the expensive guess and test method when it comes to teeth whitening and oral care. Many of the at-home products on the market don't even work as intended. LED lights are a novelty item. Strips neglect the gum lines, crevices, and molars, often ensuring that the remaining stains will be more prominent. Plus, strips use hydrogen peroxide, which always results in greater tooth sensitivity in comparison to carbamide peroxide. Charcoal is abrasive and wears down the enamel, and whitening toothpaste only works on the surface stains. And like charcoal, it's abrasive. So, what actually works? Well, the number one product recommended by dentists is a custom-fitted tray historically dispensed by only dentists at a price of like, you know, $300 to $1,000. That changed more than 10 years ago when Smile Brilliant came up with the innovative Lab Direct process. Head on over to smilebrilliant.com and get custom fitted teeth whitening trays or night guards if you grind your teeth. They also have a whole suite of professional oral care products such as an electric toothbrush, water flosser, dental probiotics, and much more. And right now they're having a holiday sale with discounts up to 50% off of the normal price. Freshen your breath and look with Marvel 5 and save an additional 5% off their holiday sale. That's Marvel 5 at smilebrilliant.com. We also want to thank Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. Sleep is so important. And here at New Rockstars, we trust Helix to protect our sleep with the best mattresses in the world. 
I have a Helix mattress, as does MT. Recently, producer Zach and producer John also got Helix mattresses. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and your sleep references to the perfect mattress for you. Everybody's unique and Helix knows that, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even the Helix Plus mattress are plus size sleepers. Producer Zach took the Helix quiz and was matched with a Midnight Luxe mattress because he's a side sleeper that needed a softer mattress and now he doesn't wake up with a sore shoulder or neck like he did with the other mattresses. Just go to helixsleep.com slash inside marvel, take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10 year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk free. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash inside marvel. All right, let's get back to the Guardians of the Galaxy right now. Um, why do we think it's important that Mantis is Ego's daughter? Why was it so necessary to reveal in this holiday special? I honestly feel like um, Marvel is setting up Mantis to be a lot more powerful than a lot of people realize in the MCU. Um, mostly because of a, uh, a deleted scene from Infinity War uh, that has to do with Mantis, uh, where uh, Doctor Strange, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, Doctor Strange basically tasks Mantis to take the souls that Thanos pushed out of the bodies of the Guardians and bring them back into, the, into their body. Um, and she... She's like, I can't do that. And Doctor Strange is like, you can do that. You just don't know that you can do that. Um, and yeah. so I think that that was Marvel Studios' way of sort of teasing Mantis's, um, you know, celestial powers and celestial connection. Um, cool. Because why did he assume he she could do that? Wait, am I missing? Well, we know. Well, like he he did see the future um, when he oh, saw. Oh yeah, the at that point he had already looked ahead, right? right? The yeah, so like he probably think. knows he knew stuff about like Spider Man and, and Mantis before he even saw them. In um, oh. so yeah, so I feel like Doctor Strange just knew. I love that that she had she had more power, and um, I so think cool. that this could be like moving forward, like maybe we could see Mantis potentially, maybe potentially hold getting the the mantle of Star Lord down the line because um, okay. you know we we know that the I know I know that Star Lord is a is a Peter Quill thing, but like I think the Peter Quill is called Star-Lord because his father is a star and he's he is a mm. um, celestial being. So if Mantis has the same father, then I think Mantis also has the right to be a Star-Lord if she so chose. Um, and I think it'd be really fun um, if um, this celestial being, half-celestial, um, was a Star-Lord. But I, I think that um, this, this ability to manipulate the human soul um, is probably going to come into play in a future Marvel movie. Project. I agree awesome. with everything you said. I think that sounds amazing. Also, I just don't think siblings last long in the MCU. So as soon as they were, <laughs> no. as soon as they were like, we're siblings, I was like, one of you guys got to die. I was uh -oh. like, one of you. I don't know which one it is, but one of you guys got to go. <laughs> you can decide, oh, no. but one of you got to get out of here. It's true. I feel like Peter Quill, I don't know, like maybe he could die. I don't know. That's so interesting. Where is oh. he going to, where would he go? I like the idea of Mantis becoming a new Star Lord because she's also technically a Star Lord. Uh, I would also, I, I, it's so interesting. That I think is the biggest part of the story for those two is just like, what does that mean for her as a daughter of a celestial? I think that's more the biggest takeaway than like, what's their dynamic gonna be now? <laughs> right. <laughs> what are they gonna share on the ship? I think it's more about like, she <laughs> has something now. She has something. Like maybe Adam Warlock will yeah. like, they will come and like because she's also a different being she's not a human so maybe her powers right. from a celestial is just insane and we just haven't seen well it fully. um 
I, I'm wondering about Mantis's timeline, right? Like her species, I would assume ages differently than than Terrans do. Um, and like, does she she her job the way Ego used her was to carry all of her guilt or carry all of his guilt? So she knew everything he did. She knew all those bodies were piled up. Did she? Might she have known like the moment that Ego implanted the tumor in Meredith Quill's brain, and she might know something about Meredith Quill that Peter doesn't know? Because I think the reason that Peter could carry the light is because of something he got from Meredith Quill. Because all of all of Ego's other progeny, you know, couldn't handle it. So there's something about Meredith Quill that's a secret to all this. And I think Mantis might know it. Yeah, there, there's a huge possibility there because Mantis seems to have like powers to interface with the with the with the mind. And like her the reason why Ego had her there was to help him go to sleep, because Ego cannot sleep without Mantis. And um, for some reason, he needs to sleep to dream about his progeny. I think that maybe potentially with um, with ego dreaming, maybe ego is actively looking through the lenses of the people that he's given tumors, and like he's dreaming of like, hey, all right, here's my next kid. Here's all right. There's a there's a kid on Spartax mm. Seven, and uh, we're, we, I gotta <laughs> get that kid. And so like he just when he wakes up, he's like, all right, hey, now I have I have new kids to go kill um so i don't know there's something really interesting going on with do you think she would maybe the mantis and peter quill mom storyline could just be that like she knows his mom very well just like she was a really nice person the memories that i had to get rid of for him were all very nice and i saw her die maybe she knows that like maybe her mom is like still living maybe she like is aware of like other parents that are like still alive and she's like, yeah. I, I feel like the deal, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but like, I think that the the mother has to die mm-hmm. for um, the child to be born. I think that that's the, that's the I think the tumor might actually, because uh, he says, like in, in Guardians 2, he says, um, the, the task of grafting my DNA onto a species, the grafting makes me feel like the tumor is what changes the, like, what, what allows Meredith to make a celestial baby. And like that tumor has to is he puts in every single of his mates to actively make a celestial baby. Oh, so yeah. I think it's harder than it is because um, like with with biological beings, which ego is not, he's just like an extension of himself. We have you know we have the sperm and all that stuff. I'm not going to go into the berms and the beads, but um, with because ego's different, I think he had to put the tumor to um, impregnate um, his host. I think all the parents die, um, all the moms anyway, which is quite sad. Um, but that's just my assumption. Um, Good to know. Interesting. Well, MT, I know you're working on uh, a, a theory video about Mantis. I can't wait to see it. Uh, I think you obviously have uh, some really cool ideas about what's next for her. Um, yeah. Now, but meanwhile, Jess, you made, I love this video that you made about Bucky's arm. Like how yeah. they got Bucky's arm. <laughs> until James got, until, until he wanted to tweet about it. Until he chose the day after my video to come out to tweet about it. I know. <laughs> Here's my question for both of you. How seriously should we take James Gunn's answers about Bucky's arm in particular? It seemed like he was kind of joking a bit about it. it. That's just like Nebula was in such a holiday spirit that she ripped off Bucky's arm. The thing is, what? remember remember when um, Thor Love and Thunder came out and uh, Taika Waititi was like, I mainly put the goats in there at this point because it's messing with James Gunn because he has to pick up or do wherever I left off. And I was like, (laughs) what if that is just a train of things that directors do within the MCU, especially directors that have got at least two or three movies. They're like, yeah, we can just tease and play. And since he's on his way out, he's just like, yeah, next director has to figure out what the arm did. Like the next, whoever's doing Thunderbolts (laughs) has to figure it out now. 
So that's why I think we it is going to be a true thing. It's going to be a true thing because the next director has to deal with figuring out how to make it true. Whether even it's like a little callback of Bucky being like, yeah, this crazy alien girl tried to rip my arm off the other day or something. And that, <laughs> that confirms that it's a fake arm. I genuinely think it's a fake. I would not want to take it too seriously. But I think him saying that and him on his way to D.C., he's allowed to say it. And what he says goes. So we're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I honestly do. Yeah. I do think it's a, it's a real arm. And I think that Nebula literally went up to Bucky and ripped it off. Um, mostly because I think that <laughs> I, I like to think that Nebula's like you owe me for saving your life, so like this arm is mine. I think that'd be hilarious because like she did never, help the Avengers. They never even really talked Nebula and Bucky. So like if but if she shows it's up, true. Bucky because she was on space when he was in Wakanda fighting. So he's gonna mm. be like, who are you? <laughs> but be well, like, then I again, about, I, like, I think that they did talk because she, Mantis was like Steve, and she gave him a hug. I think they all just like hug out after the battle. After, like, well, okay, really so he see. sees her in passing, but also Nebula is dealing with her new <laughs> sister and after killing her past self. So I don't think she actually, I, I, Mantis <laughs> is probably happy, but Nebula's like, okay, this is your lover. Be be happy about it. Also, I just killed my past self. So, or a different right. version of myself. So I'm just, it, there there's too many on. things that makes me so upset about this because I'm like, first off, we're assuming in that like two hours that they found out what Christmas was and to get the gifts, she flew to Earth pinpointed Bucky's location, ripped off his arm, and then came back? You guys <laughs> no, just found out what Christmas and presents are. Or presents are. I think she had already had it for some other reason. Yeah, that's why I, I agree with you, Jess. I think just saying she was in a Christmas spirit and ripped it off. I mean, there was a lot that got, like, Groot made all those little dioramas in, like, 15 minutes. Well, maybe just he made it from himself, story. so it's a little easier and quicker. That's the only, that was my only... Oh, it makes more sense that Groot made that than she was able to fly back to Earth just from suddenly getting inspired by the Chris. I think she already had it. Yes. Um, but there's two ways this could have worked. One, like, we forget that, like, Nebula was on Earth for the entire blip. Mm -hmm. Like, she came right. back with Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. So she was there for five years. What was she doing mm -hmm. during those five Stealing. years? She could have gotten to know the Wakandans. She Stealing. <laughs> <laughs> stealing shit but Bucky's arm dusted with him his vibranium arm yeah. dusted with him so it's not right. like it was lying around anywhere but she could have like maybe they had backup arms which they had some like she, most of her are cybernetic parts at this point maybe she forged some relationship with Okoye we don't really know they're two bald beautiful Okoye women was, they, they could have like a, yeah. to know each other um, so there's that but secondly I think it's I think the simpler answer is that the Bucky that we see in Thunderbolts is just gonna have a new arm yeah I think he's gonna yeah. have like a new upgrade arm and then that's how they're gonna explain it that he just like, like retired they the old were arm and then all, was taken. I, I honestly I honestly believe that the arm is like symbolic towards like basically who owns Bucky at the time for lack of a better term because like the mm. first arm was the Hydra arm or the the Soviet yeah. Union arm the second arm was the Wakandan arm and, like, this third arm is likely going to be Val's arm um, when he joins the Thunderbolts. Mm. So, like, because he's going to be working under Val. Um, so, yeah, I think that we... he And Bucky is inevitably going to lose that arm pretty no, much every time because action figures have to be sold. Well, like, that's the real reason. Um, so, also, like, he was always, he, that vibranium arm was always going to go. To me, I'm like, Val, what arm are you going to make that's better than the vibranium arm? Unless it... Vibranium. If she gets more vibranium, I guess. That's why I'm like, are you going to, you have to have that. Vi Val, I just don't think your arm's going to be better than what this vibranium one is. But her, <laughs> that arm, the new arm will probably not have that fail safe that all the Wakandans mm. know about and no one else really does. So right. maybe he'll get one I, that he can keep. 
Yeah, I honestly think that that might, you know, reel Bucky into the Thunderbolts. Because, like, if, if Val's like, hey, look, new Vibranium arm. Ooh, he's like, all right, I guess I'll, I'll hear you out because that Vibranium arm was pretty sick. Um, so I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, another question we should talk about. Uh, this special, more than most other MCU titles, gets real referency uh, and adopts a lot of stuff as, as now MCU canon. Now, uh, Kevin Bacon references Batman, which is fine because Eternals already referenced Batman and Superman. But they basically said a Gobot killed Drax's cousin. Not only do Gobots <laughs> as a media thing, as like a Tonka Media Transformers uh, uh, competitor exists that kids play with, that they that the lore of Gobots exists in MCU canon. <laughs> so that's crazy. But then the fact that Kevin Bacon is, exists, like the fact that Kevin Bacon is already a Nexus uh, being in our reality. We play the sister <laughs> Bacon. So if Kevin Bacon is MCU canon, is X-Men First Class also MCU canon? Mm. No. I well, think, yes, yes. It's I two know. different people. It's two different people. Because the guy in X-Men first... What do you mean two different people? X wait, wait, wait. Am I missing something? The, Did Kevin Bacon appear the in The movie, he first? plays Sebastian Shaw yeah, in X-Men no, yeah. First Class. He's Sebastian mm. Shaw in that. So Sebastian Shaw exists, and then now Kevin Bacon exists. I don't think we address Sebastian Shaw as Kevin Bacon as Sebastian Shaw. But I think if there is that moment, someone's going to be like, you look a lot like Sebastian Shaw. <laughs> I think someone can make yeah. that joke easily. Yo, you know, I don't know if it's easy to make that. It's easy to make the joke, I guess. It's not easy for it to make any logical sense. Mm -mm. Yo, you know what's also, funny? Um, considering that um, we had this, this is the second time this has happened, sort of, because like with uh, Ralph Boner, Ralph Boner was also an actor, much like Kevin sure. Bacon was. So it's like, what if we're looking at a scenario where, where X-Men First Class is legitimately a movie? That, in the I MCU. would like that more than and it being canon. Ralph Boner. I would love that. Way more than it being kid. Just them addressing it like that was a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, this I has already been kind of an issue. Anytime they've referenced like movies that exist, like they, you know, Captain America has like Star Wars, the Beatles, he has all these things. Like every movie that they reference Point Break, they reference Lebowski and the fact that Jeff Bridges is mm -hmm. in Lebow in the big Lebowski, and then he also right. plays Obadiah Stane. This has already been a problem from the first Iron Man movie, let's be honest. Um but like now it's just getting so overt about it. Just the, the rules of canonicity. Should we just like give up trying to <laughs> trying to make sense of this, really? Yeah. I think it's just um, fun. I, I, <laughs> I, I truly honestly believe that like this Marvel Studios put Kevin Bacon into this universe to sort of like continue that Ralph Boner type of narrative so that later on when we when we like go to Secret Wars and get like a, a real understanding of the multiverse, we'll realize that like both Kevin Bacon and Ralph Boner are just variants of their um, uh, multiversal selves and that uh, the X-Men first class is like in a separate, like probably new uh, TVA, um, just multiverse bundle mm -hmm. in general. So uh, that's why we can have um, uh, what the classic Loki and the old guy from Logan, I forget his name, um, being played by uh, the same oh. actor and Chris Patrick Evans. Stewart? Um, no, not Patrick Stewart. I'm blanking on his name. He's a brilliant actor. I would keep blanking on everyone's name, but Wait, the is classic the older, Loki actor. Ro Ro e. Grant? Richard E. Grant? Richard, Richard E. Grant. Grant. Yeah, he he played the dude that made uh, the Logan clone in Logan. Um, That's right. So, he played, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's just, I think that we're, like, Marvel Studios wants to make a, de a delineated difference between the X-Men universe and the uh, Marvel universe by d deliberately 
putting these actors in different roles in the MCU so that when we finally get the big picture, it's like, oh yeah, the MCU is different from the X-Men universe because the, these actors are, are re, like doing a different role in, in the, that universe. If See, that makes I sense. Think it's okay, I think it's okay when actors are just playing different roles in different franchises. That doesn't mm-hmm. confuse me. The difference is that the MCU is saying the actor that we know of Kevin Bacon exists in the MCU playing roles that we know Kevin Bacon having played between mm. uh you know footloose and uh in his role in friday the 13th so like one of those other roles was an x-men movie so i think that's <laughs> that's different than just like you know Lar- I... lawrence fishburne plays characters in different yeah oh but uh, it's fun it's all a joke and i yeah i can't wait until they just show his imdb page on his computer on the, <laughs> the screen. and then it says it and it says it and then we're like it's a movie it's a movie and a movie <laughs> right i think this is all just silly i think it's we're all just overthinking it's, it also it's james fun. gunn literally is doing this to mess with the people that are us james gunn did this yes. everything in this movie is to mess with us and then all those tweets he sent <laughs> following are the mess with us and that's why I'm going to box him. I'm going to find him. You can do <laughs> box And I'm going to say, MT sent me. No. <laughs> James Gunn is my friend. I love him. You're going to knock on James Gunn's uh, door, mm-hmm. and you're going to appear in his vivid security camera, and then just smash yes. through the glass. <laughs> and like, <laughs> just right. hop around his home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take his Christmas tree. That was a, I um, love that like scene with Mantis. That was so creepy. Wasn't that it. amazing? Like mm-hmm. Mantis's action in this was like my oh. all-time favorite Mantis. Like Mantis was like a an all-time high like favorite Marvel character for me. So like seeing her in her own special made me so happy because like she deserves right. her own spot. She deserves a spotlight because like uh, Palm is just such a good actress. I love her. Mm-hmm. We'll actually leave it there for this episode of Inside Marvel. Um, we I feel like we covered a lot, but there's still so many questions we have. Hopefully, we'll get a Guardians Volume Three trailer sometime soon. Yes, please. Because um, there's, I'm so looking forward to this movie even more now. Um, but you can follow Jessica at Lulu underscore Clements. Follow MT at Mastertainment. Follow me at E A Boss. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Peace out.